The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> it would be a wolf, but eh? I'm no fool. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Flash in the shot. What a goal! Again on the latest Wolves Fancast match preview show. What was that, Luke? I was going to say you're on mute, mate. <laughs> am I? Am I, st- am I still on mute, Luke? No, nah, not there. Anyway. Thanks for joining us, everyone. As I said, on the Wolves Fancast match preview, part of the 90min.com network. I hope you're all doing well. It's Friday, ready to kickstart the weekend. Got a massive game coming up on Saturday, 3pm, against Liverpool. Uh, Merseyside Red for all the old Pro Evolution players. Um, I've got with me, obviously, Lukey T. I've got Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rap, and I've got Liam Tolley. You might recognise Liam Tolley from uh, serving bar, serving points in the Womburn Cricket Club, but where else can they find you, Liam? Find me all over the West Midlands on stages, you know, all, all across Birmingham and Wolves. Uh, in a, I'm in a little band called Rose Asylum. Um, so, yeah, just thanks for having me on. Got a gig coming up in Stairbridge on March the third at K Fitzgerald. Honestly, if you if you're like me and you you, you just want an indie revival back in Wolverhampton and the surrounding areas, you've got to go and follow this band. The, 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 this band is the most exciting band from our area since the Lions for me. So if you've not seen them, oh, go yeah, find yeah. them, go check them out. Rise of Salem, um, just class band. I'm gonna to come to you first, uh, Neil. How, how are things with you? Absolutely splendid. Uh, looking forward to the weekend. Uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for Molyneux although I believe you've been quiet this season is this something we're going to talk about? It's uh, it's usually quiet in that away end um, just in general Neil to be honest not many uh, away teams uh, build up a bit of an atmosphere in that well it's hard it's, it's, a t- it's a tough end on that score but what, what I meant was I've been told that Molyneux's not being because I love Molyneux you know I'm not going this weekend unfortunately I've got to be going to do something else but I love Molyneux and uh, I, when they were all going for the away game, I was like, "Oh, you'll have a good night there." You know, you get a, you get a really good atmosphere at Wolves, and they all came back said it's been a bit quiet. And I read a few things where you were saying it's been a bit quiet this season. Everyone's not, you know, because it's not going so well on the pitch. Maybe it's not been quite as rambunctious as it was in the in the December of January, January, uh, sorry, the, the December of twenty eighteen, which is one of the best atmospheres I've ever been to as an away ground. I think, yeah, I think yeah. Go on, Luke. I mean, like, the, the points in the league table say a lot, but you you crack on, Luke. I was going to say, I think if our sound system was as good as Liverpool's at Anfield, then the atmosphere might might improve a little bit. Really? I mean, I'm not. I'm not coming here looking for needle. I'm genuinely intrigued. <laughs> He's needle set, ready all week, Neil. I was, He's a naughty I was, lad. Yeah, no, I was. So I remember the 2018 <laughs> game, uh, December 2018, and then the, the cup game that immediately follows. I remember coming back from people saying, I tell you what, they know how to have a good time in Wolverhampton. It's seconds and on. So when our boys were going up for the league, for the FA Cup, uh, I was a, there was a lot of me going, it'll, it'll go off at, at Molyneux for the FA Cup replay. And then they said, it's been quiet. And then I was told there was a couple of conversations of people saying, it's just been a bit quiet all season. Uh, in Wolves circles, just saying it's been quiet all season. Has it been quieter than it normally is this season? Seriously, we're all fed up. I mean, Neil, it, it yeah. So basically, people are fed up. It's been a tough year. It's been a slog. It was a slog yeah. last season. It's one of them. That's what that's what people are saying. Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, you know, obviously with my gold tinted glasses on, I always thought we had a really good home atmosphere. That was yeah. first couple of seasons with the press. Couldn't agree more. You, Couldn't know, agree I thought, more. you know what? Fair play, our fans. We are fantastic, but. Last 18 months or so, it's, it's been terrible. 
what I what I always thought going to Wolves when we used to go to going to Wolves last last few seasons. The other thing also is that Wolves supporters sing about Wolves, which is when Liverpool rock up into town. You know, if we when we rock up into Leeds United, the desperate to sing about Liverpool, mm. Leicester desperate to sing about Liverpool. Wolves always made a big noise about Wolves, always giving it the big one. As I say, I mentioned that game in twenty eighteen, uh, the the game in twenty nineteen when we're well twenty nineteen twenty season when we're lucky to win two one. Don't deserve to win two one that day, but we, we we just snatched the winner late on. Uh, Jota misses at the other end uh, with a, in in the last seconds. Really fortunate Liverpool victory, but part of the league winning season. But the atmosphere in that second half was unreal. Mm. It was unbelievable from the Wolves supporters. And again, it wasn't none of it's ever about Liverpool. It's always about Wolves. Whereas if you go to Leicester, all they do from minute one is sing about us, and it drives you mad. Whereas you go to Wolverhampton and they sing about Wolverhampton, and that's you know the absolute business, and that that's great. So. Yeah, I was just intrigued when people said it was a bit bit quiet, but you just think everyone's a bit fed up and it's just been a bit of a slog of a season and all that sort of stuff. But if, if Lopetegui gets them playing, then it'll it'll all come back. I think it's, it's been tough for a while, hasn't it, Luke? I mean, you look at last season. We only scored 38 goals last season, Neil. 38 goals. And yeah. we obviously the, the main sort of standard at Wolverhampton, what we class as the South Bank, I'm not even sure how many goals even occurred at that end of the stadium. It was like... <laughs> Yeah, eighteen months probably, maybe twelve months or fifteen months. It's been a bit of a chore to to watch Wolves. The the, the frustration of the 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 new the new hangover, if you will, um, yeah. players becoming stale, the the style of football becoming stale. There were so many games under Nuno, which then led into the large era that we didn't start playing until after the sixtieth minute and. Things have came out since about after Bruno Large got sacked about the players not being fit, only training like three days a week, not rigged enough for them. And when you when you starting game to the hasn't it, um, Luke? Dan, you've really broke up. Then to be fair, mate, I didn't quite catch that. But I think what he was trying to say is we've been shit. <laughs> and, you know, it hasn't I heard him say, I mean, I heard him say really not I heard him say not playing after the 60th minute. Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah, so, that a thing, Liam or Luke? Has that been a thing this season? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. if, you, if you look at the amount of first half goals scored over the last 18 months, pathetic. If you look at the amount of goals scored towards the South Bank, pathetic, which is predominantly in the second half, pathetic. You know, we, we just haven't been scoring the goals. 38 goals last season. I, I don't even look at how many goals we've scored this season, but I would say about 12. You know, it's... It's it's hard and, you know, especially it doesn't help that them putting the price of the beer up as well. So people ain't, ain't drinking as much and little things like that. It all makes a difference, though. It really does. No, it does. It um, does. One of the things I remember genuinely without being funny about it, that, that pouring down night in 2018, you got promoted. They had a DJ on the pitch. And there's a lot of people who sort yeah. of will, will go like that. And some of them will be in the Liverpool end because everyone likes to be cooler than thou. Yeah, yeah, he played yeah. absolute bangers. They put fireworks on. I was like, this is the best night of my life. Can we go out to Wolverhampton afterwards? It was absolutely incredible. And the atmosphere rattling around the ground was great. And it just felt like, get on this. This is like yeah, yeah, our yeah. thing. And we're making it our thing. And then, so if, if a lot of that love's been lost or not, not love lost, but you know, the enthusiasm has been diminished. It just seems a bit of a shame to me. It all, it all adds up though. You know, I feel like I've, me personally, I feel like football's completely changed and, and clubs need to look at, what they're offering on a match day experience. And I know the purists won't want to hear that because, no, let's just turn up and uh, shout abuse at the opposition for 90 minutes and then fuck <laughs> off to the club. But, you know, you've, you've got to cater for what football is now. And it's a product, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, I saw some videos from the Newcastle game the other day. Get some 90s house bangers on and the crowd will be pumping. I tried to say this in the WhatsApp group the other week. But the problem with Wolves fans is, if it's not uh, the wonder of you or something from the 1970s, then we're not going to get on board with it. Well, I mean, you just did that night. It was house It was house bangers that night, uh, going back yeah. into December 20, 2018. It was absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. genuinely, it was great. And as I say, everyone was up for it. It was a great game that night. We won 2-0, but it was an absolute battle. It was pouring down. I remember just pouring with rain, but everyone was having the most phenomenal time. Probably your last home game before Christmas. Everyone was bang up for it. Uh, and, yeah, um, I, that's the, my thing. I've, I, it's funny with the away end at Molyneux because it's the long, thin bit, and, and it, it is hard to get a proper atmosphere going at times. But I just remember thinking, this is great, this. And also, it felt then like everyone was having a great time. Mm. Everyone was having a ball. Everyone was banging into it. Nuno's first season in the Premier League. 
can Lopetegui get that back? Can what? you hear me, guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think going back to what you said about Nuno's first season there, Neil, the momentum that we had as a, as a club at that time, storming the championship, starting well in the Premier League. You look at Newcastle in there, and they're sort of they've got that momentum that even though they haven't got eleven world beaters playing for them, yeah. everyone is pulling in the same direction. Whereas sort of the last fifteen months, we've we've been so sort of. Um, just fractured as a club. The, the fans have become a bit restless towards the ownership. Obviously, the manage, managership um, tenures have, haven't been great. And that's why it's frustrating because we have got the foundations to be a, a club that should be challenging for at least sort of Europa Conference League most seasons. But if you look at the sort of starting 11 that we've got now and the, the players that we've brought in this month, we should be a lot higher than the league position uh, suggests. Do you, do you agree with that, Liam? It's just building that confidence, really, isn't it? Because after what everybody else says, it's that affects it the most. And if we want to get scoring and we want to get winning games again and get away from, you know, even further from the relegation zone, then you've got to just build that confidence. And with the new manager, getting everybody fit, all that type of stuff, it'll just it will help leaps and bounds. And we know we can do it. We've seen it before. So it's just simple stuff like that, really, to get it going, in my opinion. I- do you think? Do you think COVID was bad for? I mean, obviously COVID was bad. Jesus, what a stupid thing to say. Do you think COVID was bad for Wolves? Because it seems to me, I remember watching this in the, in the 1920 season and th- feeling as though again it felt like the drums were still pounding, everything was moving forward, and then the grounds got closed. I don't know how many you win post COVID, uh, the break, and then we all come back in the summer and it's behind closed doors, and then you'd have the season where you just sort of drop to to 12th, 13th, 14th uh, over the course of that season. Do you think it was genuinely? Do you think like? When someone writes the long history of Wolves in twenty years' time, they'll say one of the things that checked Wolves' momentum was the was the impact of the pandemic. It, it was massive, Neil. You look at that Europa League that we had. Um, up until that, until COVID happened, as I said, the, the momentum that we had, and we had sort of away trips to Torino, Braga. Um, we, we smashed Espanyol over two legs, and then. We would have um, we would have had Olympiacos. That was the first sort of round that was played behind closed doors, which we didn't get to of course, travel yeah, over yeah, to Greece, yeah. which would have been like a massive experience. I still think, like I said, the momentum that we had as a, as a club and the fan base's belief at the time, I, I believe we would have beat Sevilla in the quarterfinal. I, I don't know. You look at the performance and how Sevilla dismantled us on the night, but I still think with the backing that we would have took over to to Spain or we played in Frankfurt. Well, yeah, I mean, you beat Espanyol. Did you, you beat Espanyol 5-0 or 4-0 or something. You absolutely murdered them. 4-0 the first leg, yeah. In, yeah. in your gaff the round before. And then, and yet, Olympiacos gets broken up in that really weird way, some of the games, that happens to some of the games. And was the Sevilla game just a one-leg thing, if I remember right? That's what happened with the, Premier, yeah. with the, with the Champions League as yeah. well. They all yeah. become one legs. Yeah. Yeah, that's but right. Think, Obviously, think... Raul Jimenez missed a massive penalty, didn't he, Luke? He did, and, and that ultimately killed us on the night. Um, but... Going back to COVID, it's difficult because the sort of results do point to, yeah, it affected us not having any fans. But our last game pre-COVID, we was only discussing it yesterday, uh, Wolves nil, Brighton nil. Terrible. Terrible <laughs> performance on the pitch. And the atmosphere was it terrible. It was the worst way to break up for COVID, that game. Honestly, that, that <laughs> game was like the, the football equivalent of COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, yeah. If you could sum up COVID in a football game, Wolves nil, Brighton nil, February 2020. you got to remember as well, Neil, this was like, I think it was under Chris Shooting was the manager then at Brighton, wasn't he? Ooh, I tell you. Yeah, I think you could be right. Or, no, yeah. I think it definitely wasn't Potter. Maybe. And it was a... It was a yeah. Dog it definitely game. wasn't a Brighton team that were coming to play football like the way that they did against uh, you last week, which we'll, we'll talk on a, a bit further. <coughs> Neil, for sort of the, the Wars fans who aren't, Heavily invested in in Liverpool. How have you um, rated your January transfer window on a scale of naught to ten and in words F- five? And but because of the order in which they do it, it feels like zero. Um, you know, everyone wants them to try to sort out a midfielder. They haven't. They've bought a forward uh, and they bought him on December the twenty seventh, which is getting your business done early, uh, which is great in the, in one sense. But in another sense, what it means is that when you get to the end of the window and everyone's desperate for a sign and there isn't one, and, and they're probably a bit like, "Well, we made one," and everyone's like, "Well, no one cares about that one now." That was ages ago. Um, so they could have really done with a midfielder. Ultimately, it's it's a funny one, really. Last summer, 
there was a lot of conversations about whether or not they needed a midfielder. And I thought that they needed an attacking midfielder. And the reason why is because he's wanted to change the shape for a while. So he's wanted to go to 4-2-1-3 or 4-2-2-2, I think, for a while. He's actually been doing it surreptitiously. Because the nature of the way footballers get written down, you know, we he picks a team and everyone just thinks Liverpool play 4-3-3. But I actually think for a while now, Liverpool haven't been playing 4-3-3. So I was a bit like, if, you, if you're going to go into the new season and you're only attacking midfielders, Harvey Elliott, who's 19, you probably need another attacking midfielder. But they didn't buy one. Um, and I understood sort of why I had a bit of sympathy for it. Not least we achieve everything we achieved last season. But this season, it's become crystal clear that the level of Fabinho and Henderson has absolutely gone off a cliff. Um, last season, Henderson plays 57 games. He makes appearances in 57 games, which is more games than Arsenal play over the course of the season. You know, that's how many games Henderson plays. Uh, Fabinho plays 48 games, which might also be more games than Henderson plays over the course of the season. And Liverpool, I think, came into the season thinking, if we get two from three on the pitch out of Henderson, Fabinho and Thiago, and then we put one other on, depending on what we want to do tactically, then we'll be in good nick over the course of this campaign. And ultimately... Fabinho and Henderson have got no legs. And I don't know quite if that ever changes again. Uh, I certainly don't know when it changes again. So when you get to this January, they needed a midfielder because ultimately the two lads who were both six foot tall, six foot two, who look after games from a Liverpool point of view, put themselves about the pitch, both of them have shown an inability to do that. Um, Henderson, for instance, on December the 30th, plays against Leicester and he has the worst hour of football he's probably ever had playing for Liverpool. He's that bad. Uh, doesn't get subbed. Keita comes on, makes a bit of a difference, and Henderson sort of drags his level back up a little bit from absolute shite to just about passable. Um, Fabinho, last week against Brighton in the FA Cup, comes off the bench and, and has probably amongst the worst 10 minutes as I've ever seen a Liverpool substitute have. I mean, he should be sent off. And he basically spreads doubt through the team. I mean, he came on with the worst juju I've ever seen a footballer have. Um, and he's then in everyone else's head. He's going up and talking to all of his teammates, pulling his daft face of I probably should be sent off there yeah. whilst the, the whole thing's being put to VAR. And I was almost like, I'd rather the referee had just walked up and gone, straight red, get off the pitch, and then we just recalibrate ourselves back into the fact that this fellow's got himself sent off here. But you know what we do is we just kick everything for you know for the last 10 minutes of the game, and we we, we, we get the draw. That doesn't happen, and we we can see the late the late winner, which is a shame. But you know he's a lovely player, Matoma. But he was I thought he was the game's outstanding attacking performer. So you've got to swallow that sometimes if he if he shows that much poise and class in the last minute. Um, but Fabinho's problems have been, I think, even go back to last April, a teeny little bit. But I think he thought he gets an injury last April. I actually don't think he should have started the Champions League final. In the end, I think he should have gone with Henderson, Keiter, and Thiago. He goes with uh, with Fabinho instead. But there was other stuff going on that day in Paris. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll worry about all that later. Um, ultimately, the issue now is that Liverpool have only got really got one senior midfielder, and that's Thiago. He's not picking Henderson. He's not picking Fabinho. So it would have been nice if they'd have gone into the markets and got one more. So you end up sort of rating it 5 out of 10. Uh, Gakpo could be an attacker midfielder, could work as a forward option. We've not seen the best of him yet, but then he's got no teammates to play with apart from Salah. There's been no Firmino. Nunez hasn't started a game. Um, there's been no uh, no sign, obviously, of Jota, uh, no sign of Diaz, and Firmino's been injured for the period. So we've got six forwards, but we've only had two of them available effectively so far. So I'm, I'm, you know, you've got to reserve judgments on Gakpo, and I also think you might use him a little bit in a bit of a funny sort of attacking midfield role over a period of time. But so the whole thing's, you know, it's five out of ten because they did half the job. Uh, they got themselves the new attacker in slash attacking midfielder, but they really could have done with having a plan for how they're going to replace or cover Fabinho and Henderson whilst they're having this crisis of fitness or confidence or both or whatever it is for however long it takes. So so what's, what do you think the plan is at Liverpool? Because I, I, I'm going to get his name wrong now. Is it Bjatic or something like that? Yeah, it's yeah. really hard to say because it doesn't work like it should. Uh, Basevich. He, he, he looks... He looks okay. I'm not saying he's Liverpool's level and, you know, you want to get 35 games out of him through the league this season, but he looks okay. So so what is the plan? Because obviously, you know, everybody knows about Bellingham and how that yeah. would have been the, the dream transfer. But how does that work for Liverpool now? Because he, if I'm looking from the outside in, like you've mentioned, Henderson, Fabinho, not the level uh, because of confidence, fitness, whatever. You look at Keita, he's never really done it for me. Um, so, like you said, you're left with Thiago. Now, is that going to be a massive problem for Liverpool this season? And and you, you're going to see 
teams come and dominate you in the middle of the park. Whereas two and three years ago, that would no one would have dreamed of that happening. So I think I think it's direction of travel is just to play two sentiments and accept that that's the case. But I also think that's his direction of travel full stop, but with better sentiments. Mm-hmm. So I think ultimately, you know, when he gets everyone but at the minute, I think he's just playing for time. The manager, he's playing for fitness. You know, I've said before there's been four missing uh of his of his attacking options. But I think he's gonna be playing four every single game. I think Liverpool are gonna basically I think his direction of travel's been to end up playing something that you could really quite basically at times write down as four two four. I think that's the way he, the way he sees football going. Um, and so I don't think, as I say, I don't think this is just this season and I don't think it's part of this crisis period that we're in. I think that's what he wants to do. Now, whether or not I like it, I'll be honest, I like three midfield cyborgs that would kill you upon contact. That's the football I like. Um, but, I'm at, you know, who am I? He's the Liverpool manager and that's his direction of travel. And he's, you know, he's a great manager. And, at some point, a football team plays a way you don't like, um, or that wouldn't be your preferred way of all the football that you'd prefer to watch. And you've got to sort of cop for that a little bit if you're a football supporter sometimes. And also accept simultaneously it could win. You know, Manchester City, for instance, have segued themselves from playing literally no centre-forward for two years, uh, effectively, to now playing the purest centre-forward we've all ever seen in our lives. Mm-hmm. And there'll be some City supporters thinking, I preferred it, to be honest with you, when we had no one up there. Yeah. But but the truth is, football evolves, managers evolve, they want to do different things, and you've got to cop for it. Um, I think that's sort of where Klopp's been for a bit longer than... The, it's not just the idea of the last summer. I think he was having Liverpool play in a slightly different way for a period of time. It wasn't... There was less for being, you know, Henderson, Wijnaldum, obviously Wijnaldum moves on, but there was less of that sort of thing for a period of time. And there was more of a sort of an attacking midfielder type. At times it was also Henderson doing it and then doing his sort of normal job as well on top. Um, that's what we're doing and that's what we're about. And I think he's he's committed to that. Now, at the minute, I think if you were to speak to him, he'd love to get a footballer out of Henderson and Fabinho. Even if it was one that could only play, you know, almost the idea of one plays 60, the other plays 30. Mm-hmm. Following week, that one plays the other one, the one that played yeah. 30 plays 60, that one plays 30. I think that would be absolutely perfect for him next to Tiago and occasionally rest Tiago. I, I think he knows Batshevich isn't, isn't his way home from now until the end of the campaign. The lad looks great, don't get me wrong. You know, for an 18, 19 year old, he looks like an unbelievable level. But I think, you know, you can't, you can't think he win the Champions League yeah. uh, with him in there. And Liverpool have still got a chance of doing that. You know, the, 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 you're in a cup competition, you're in it until the bitter end, and, and Liverpool will back themselves, and the crowd will back them as well. Uh, in terms of doing the unlikely, I think we can all come with that. I think he'll limit his midfielders. So, if everyone was fit, I think he'd be playing 4-2-4. I think he'd be picking four from Jota, Diaz, Firmino, Salah, Nunez, and Gakpo. And then off the back of that, you then only have two in the middle of the park who sit quite deep, who look after the ball for you and just get it forward to the good lads. And it's not the purest way you'll ever play football. It's not the neatest way you'll ever play football. But it could win you games because Mm -hmm. you're picking four match winners every single time you pick a team. Um, That's what I think he where you think he wants to end up. He's not there at the minute. And that's why I think he's playing for time. So Jota's back in, in a form of training. And there's talk he's back into normal, regular team training next week which would be great news for us. Uh, Diaz still looking at March, but he's running. Uh, Firmino's back uh, close to team training, so he might be back in the shake-up. And Nunez comes off the bench against Brighton, and I'd expect him to start against Wolves at the weekend. He might not be a full 90 just yet, but he's hopefully there or thereabouts, and then there's Gakpo and Salah. So that's what I think we're looking at, and that's where I think we are. Frustratingly, Neil, um, you've been linked to another of our Portuguese prodigies. Uh, in Mateus Nunes this month, what, how do you feel he would fit in your side? Because you, you've mentioned about wanting an, an attacking midfielder there. Well, he's more of a number eight than a number ten, isn't he? Yeah, I think the the Nunes thing is mad. Like I can't believe I I find it really weird that he didn't sign for Liverpool last summer. Every link was to Liverpool for ages, and then all of a sudden he turns up at Wolves. Um, and I think it's, I'd, I'd love to understand what's gone on. And even the price, it wasn't like the price changed. It, it doesn't feel like Wolves gazumped to Liverpool or anything like that. It looked like he was just slated to come to Liverpool, slated to come to Liverpool, slated to come to Liverpool, and then suddenly was was was, was in three days, it all flipped and he was going to Wolves. So I don't I don't entirely understand it. Liverpool tend to stay interested in players once they've, once they've 
you know, Chamberlain we were linked with for a long period of time. There's a number of players like Zielinski at, La- at uh, Napoli now we were linked with we were linked with for years. Um, I think Liverpool do st- tend to stay interested in players. I, I I think Liverpool, listen, next summer, and my position was always about next summer. Next summer, Liverpool need three midfielders. They don't just need an attacking midfielder. They now need three. I think they need three anyway. Uh, but now the level of the three they need goes up, I think, a notch or two. So if Liverpool were to move for Nunes, it sort of wouldn't surprise me. What I just find odd, not the idea that someone like Nunes shouldn't play for Wolves, because I think, you know, Wolves are a perfectly good, good, good club to play for for any any player. It was just how much he was linked with Liverpool and then suddenly he turns up at Molyneux is the bit that I've just sort of never quite understood. Um, There's so, a reason behind that. It's because we're fucking massive, mate. Well, I, I mean, I, I also think he is a massive, so you don't need to worry <laughs> on that score. I just think I just think it was all it was all just a little weird. Um, you, you, or... You're being too polite, Neil, because we all know the oh. answer, and it's a Portuguese man called Jorge Mendes well, who plays be, chess. But it might be, but I, I don't even, even entirely understand the game of chess because right now he play every week for us. Like this season, from about game three, he's played every week. Mm. So I don't understand the game of chess unless the game of chess Man, is you literally. Go, I well, still that think that the Klopp's loyalty to his midfield has been questioned a lot in the last couple of months, hasn't it, Neil? And maybe if I could, maybe ring another season out of the guys that you had obviously you had so many un- unfortunate injuries with Diogo and and yeah, Diaz think, this season that I think he, yeah you, I think he wanted to ring another season out of them I think that's sort of accurate but simultaneously he's a football manager he's now playing Bacetic who's 18 Keita who's out of contract at the end of the season and doesn't look like he's staying Liverpool cease contract talks and Thiago so if he'd have bought the new lad He'd have got games. <laughs> and then yeah. when he's got games, he'd have kept his place because, you know, without sort of being too dramatic about it, the, the Fabinho and Henderson have had so few good games this campaign. So, so few good games, the two of them. I th- there's been games where Henderson's good at dragging himself from a... A lot of our supporters don't like this, but he's good at dragging himself from a slightly questionable performance to an all right one over 90. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of first halves where I'm like, for fuck's sake, Jordan, come on. Yeah. And then by about the final, we'll see you like, all right, Jordan, that's just about all right in the end. Fabinho's been just a bit of a wreck, um, with one or two exceptions. You know, he was good against Man City. The really weird thing about this Liverpool team is it's beat Man City twice this season. <laughs> and and you and and I deserve to win both games. Um, you know, and i you know, played really, really well against them, roused themselves for that. You know, they put they, they won five of the six Champions League group games uh in there as well. But you left another good example is that you know they, they don't they get beat at Arsenal 3 2, but first half they're the better side, they just shoot themselves in the foot three times over the course of the game and concede three stupid goals. Uh, first half we it, go, it finishes 2 1 to Arsenal, it deserves to be 2 1 to Liverpool at half time, but Liverpool do something mental from a free kick and injury time, throw everyone forward for reasons I've never understood and concede a goal on the counter and also conceded a goal in the first 40 seconds. But Thiago and Henderson play centre mid in a 4 4 2 and they both play pretty well. All of that said, though, that's me sticking up for Henderson. If Nunes was playing for us, he'd have he'd have 18, 19 appearances by now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no shadow of a doubt. When we, you know, that Bacetic is playing because because he doesn't trust his captain or his mainstay midfielder who turns up, wins the Champions League, gets 97 points, and then the following season wins the league with Liverpool. But he's not picking that fella either. So there's there's reasons for that. And that's that the manager's decided to, to say, well, I can't pick these at the minute. I can't trust them. I think it's something that Klopp's got to sort out, though. Otherwise, oh, this summer, are you tenth at the moment? Ninth uh, like, or tenth? Like this is quite easily a season where if these issues aren't identified and Fabinho and um, Henderson's form continues, because it sounds like Liverpool are really inconsistent at the moment, this could be a, a season where it's absolutely tragic, and you end up finishing eighth or ninth. Yeah, and, not very and, much so, and that, and that would be. Potentially, I mean, so well, yes and no. So, the one thing I would say is that you can make a really strong argument, and this is horrible. It shouldn't be the case within football, but you can make a really strong argument. Liverpool are better off finishing uh, ninth than fifth mm. because I don't think we'd want the Europa League stuff. Yeah, um, like you'd be better off almost just having a season where you you get to completely cleanse yourself, um, reduce the squad back down, let more than we even might let go go. Say we don't need a you know a twenty five man squad, we'll be all right with a with, with a twenty one man squad as long as they can keep keep fit and, and and sort themselves out. 
and then go from there. So the, the funny thing is, Liverpool, I think, have got a decision to make at some point soon about whether or not they feel as though they can genuinely finish top four because the consolation prize might actually make next season harder. Speaking of, um, obviously, you've been talking about your midfield woes for the last few minutes, Neil. Wolves, on the other hand, aren't experiencing midfield woes at the moment because we've arguably signed the greatest uh, Brazilian defensive midfielder <laughs> since Fernandinho um, this week. Obviously, João Gomes finally um, completed his move towards, and we're doing a shirt competition over on our Twitter page. If João Gomes features in tomorrow's game against Liverpool, we'll give away to one lucky winner a Wolves or Brazil, Brazil shirt with his name and number on the back. All you got to do is retweet the post and follow Wolves Fancast. It's our pin tweet currently. Um, Liam, what were your thoughts on the unveiling of João Gomes, the whole saga? Are you, are you happy he's finally here? Yeah, it's, it's just going to give us more depth. <clears throat> and just that ability to push teams. Like, like, for example, the last game versus Liverpool. Once we push them, we were just right up there. And there's just it just needs that extra little bit in the middle and in the midfield to just give us more options of performance up top because that's where we're lacking. We're lacking that final little bit to get those extra goals. And I think it'd be absolutely brilliant to get him going. I'd love to see how he'll fit in. Definitely. It's going to be a massive improvement, like you said, in regards to depth. Um, I just want to pull up his pictures a second because I've just noticed João Gomez. Luke, you look a bit like João Gomez if we put João Gomez in a fat booth. Do you know what, right? Ha! Oh, that. Do you know what, right? It's funny that you said that before. I was watching the video the other day. And obviously, you know, I'm getting old now. I'm I'm a middle-aged man and I've just got to admit it. And I thought, I'm at an age now where Wolves are getting players where I could pass as their dad. Like, if somebody said to me, like, oh, you look like Joe Gomez's dad. Like, I couldn't even say nothing because I actually do look like I could be Joe Gomez's dad. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous now. I started feeling old when the likes of like Sean Wright Phillips and Joe Cole retired and Robbie Keane retired. That's when I started to feel proper old. We've had a bit of a transfer side. I know you're not sure how in, uh, invested you were in, in the story about hashtag free Joe Gomez, Neil, but has there been a player that Liverpool have signed that you've been so excited that they were going to sign him, but in the background, you didn't really know a massive amount about him? Naby Keita. I'm going to start the weekend. Uh, so loads of YouTube stuff. Look, the absolute business. To be fair, I think he's had hard lines at Liverpool and he's sort of done all right. You know, he's been around while Liverpool have won leagues and league and European Cup, for God's sake. So he's done well enough. But ultimately, uh, Keita was one where we were all unbelievably excited about him, but all we weren't, I don't think even the club in a really weird way in the end were that sure about what the actual football that he were getting was. Uh, and maybe the team had changed a little bit by the time he arrived. But Keita... Uh, who I think will well no I don't think he will start the weekend I think he's the one who's going to miss out but Keita was is a really good example of it. It's uh, going to be a big weekend. It's a massive game for both sides because we need the points. But I think this is pretty much Lopetegui's first game. The transfer windows closed. This is his side now for the rest of the season and hopefully the players can put a stamp down on. This is how Lopetegui wants us to play. It's game week twenty two of the Premier League. Um, the weekend begins tonight at 8 o'clock uh, the West London uh, Money Derby Chelsea versus Fulham Everton versus Arsenal tomorrow uh, Neil, Everton versus Arsenal tomorrow Mikel Arteta has been given uh, the Manager of the Month award for January surely Arsenal have got enough to beat that Everton side tomorrow the best ad I'm, yeah. I'm, we've all got a job to do and, and, and by the way let me let me sort of you know pay fulsome respect uh, to Wolverhampton Wanderers with reference to 95th minute winners at Goodison Park. Um, the best type of winner at Goodison Park. We were walking into the ground at Aston Villa uh, and the, an excitement, a hubbub came up uh, with loads of lads just going eight and all. He's just scored. Um, it's, you know, it's the it's the feel good story of the season, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, it's the thing that we can all get behind. Um, so with a bit of luck, Arsenal do the decent thing. Uh, we've all got responsibilities. You know what I mean? We've got them next. We play you, and then we've got Everton on Monday night, and it's um, yeah, it's it's huge. Uh, the, the the game, the twelve thirty. Um, if I had one guaranteed result this weekend, uh, where I could guarantee an outcome, it wouldn't be the three pm at Molyneux. Um, I'll be I'll be crystal clear about that one. Uh, so yeah, we've we've all got a dream to live. We'll get there one step at a time, uh, and hopefully, hopefully we can do it together. 
You know what I mean? It's it, this you isn't just Neil, a, Neil, 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 Neil. You mentioned earlier how much you love the Molyneux atmosphere. I'm not sure how the fixture schedule is going to happen, um, but we've got Everton last home game of the season in in so, May. I might come. There might be a free ticket if you if you if Liverpool are <laughs> playing the day after. I might come. I mean, even if we're playing that day. Uh, I might come. Uh, let's uh, let's just. To be fair, like I said, the, the, the league position that you're in at the moment, your season may be over by that point. So you might as well come tomorrow and hope for this. Our season will not be over until that matter is resolved. Uh, let's be crystal clear that our, our season will not be over until that matter is resolved. So yeah, well, it's a big game, big game on Saturday, and hopefully Arsenal do the decent thing. And Liverpool fans wanting Everton to go down because I've never got the derby because. You know, sometimes you're sort of hugging each other inside the ground. And... We're never hugging each other inside the ground anymore, Luke. Let's be crystal clear. Those <laughs> days are long gone. Um, different Liverpool supporters feel different things. Uh, some people will miss the derby massively. Uh, it's in part, obviously, informed <laughs> by the nature of the job I do. My view towards Everton Football Club has shifted since being the fellow who hosts the Anfield Rap for the last however many years and, 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 and results and things that have come from that. Uh, as it stands, I am, um, I mean, whoever... Everton apply. We walked out of Brighton early, uh, the league game, because we were appalled and we were getting beat 3 0. And all everyone cared about coming out was the fact that Southampton had just gone 2 1 at Goodison. Uh, it was, it's, it's, it's the thing uh, that's on, on everyone's minds around here. So they've got the new manager. He's a good manager, by the way. Could do a really good job for them. And if he does all the best, you know what I mean? Full handshakes all around and, and all of that. But there is an opportunity here for, for, for Everton to go down and, Saturday half twelve against Arsenal. I would hate a new manager bounce. I want no new manager bounce. They've got they've got him. Uh, sorry, they've got Arsenal. Uh, then they've got us at Anfield. Then they've got Leeds and Villa back to back at home. And so the hope is that we get a new manager splat. That's what I'm looking for. I think the whole country's on its knees for Everton to get relegated. It's on its knees in loads of senses, but I think that is also one of the <laughs> yeah. senses. It's on its knees. Yeah, it's on its knees. It's on its knees for that too. But who am I to say? And as I say, if they, if they pull it out, pull it out the bag, fair play to them. And, you know, we all knock around. We all go to the same pubs. You know, we're all knocking around the same city and so on and so forth. But there is a, there's a pressure on Arsenal on Saturday. And if they think their game matters, vis-a-vis finishing ahead of Manchester City, uh, they couldn't be more wrong. The pressure that's on Arsenal is only coming in one sense. And it's that they do the decent thing and do not let up. Obviously, you mentioned Wolves versus Liverpool at three o'clock. Some of the fixtures to uh, mention on Saturday, Aston Villa against uh, Leicester, Brentford versus Southampton, Brighton at home to Bournemouth, Man United at home to Crystal Palace and Newcastle, West Ham is the 5.30 on Saturday. Looking at those fixtures on the Saturday, Liam, who's, who's your banker for a win? Well, at the minute, you've got to say Man United, haven't you, versus Crystal Palace. I mean, it, it's they're looking good. Rashford's back in form, so I'd say they're your, your bankers, other than Wolves beating Liverpool, but, you know, it's one of them. <laughs> I love what you're drinking, Tolly. Who's your banker on Saturday, Luke? God, there's some tasty fixtures this weekend. It's, a, it's not a bad game week, but my banker, I'd, you know what, I'll go for Brighton. I think they're playing absolutely fantastic at the minute, and, and Bournemouth, they, they, they look out of sorts, but I suppose it's a one of those local derby, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, I think Brighton, Brighton would be my banker. Without going into too much depth about the the defeat last weekend, Neil, how impressed were you with Brighton? I, I've said this a few oh. times this season. Um, Man City beat us. Was it three or four nil at Molyneux? But Brighton are the best team I've seen in the flesh this season. They were great. We played them twice back to back. The Amex and they were. They were they were better in the league game. Um, there was three or four excellent individual performances against us in the FA Cup again. Matoma, I thought was the absolute business, um, and he was the business against us in the league game. I, I couldn't be more impressed with them. Couldn't speak more highly of them. And it's also it's a great ground. It's a great place to go. Uh, I love how they open the concourses afterwards. I love the Chelsea general vibe around it. I think it's it's a really warm, welcoming ground. They're getting everything right on and off the pitch at the minute. As far as I'm concerned, I'm. I'm all in on Brighton. I'd go there every week if they let us. Uh, I think it's great. Uh, I think it's a great place as well. I uh, really love a night out there. So, no, I, I've been I've been so impressed by them. I really hope they win the FA Cup, genuinely. After they beat us last weekend, sometimes you do this and it's a bit like, well, you want to get beat by the winners and all that sort of stuff. I just want them to win the FA Cup. <laughs> I think they play great stuff and I want I want the idea, you know, they've, they've, they've held the line on Caicedo. They've not, they've not accepted the mega money. They've not, they've not accepted the daftness. 
I'd love them to end up being rewarded, including Kaisido himself. I hasten to add, I'd like them to end up being rewarded for that. Um, and I really think that they're a club top to bottom that deserve to play European football next season. So I'm all in. Um, I think they're great. And with a bit of luck, they'll find their way through. Luca, as I mentioned, brought his uh, needle kit with him earlier, Neil. So we're not, we're not going to talk about the FA Cup uh, match between us and, and yourselves at Anfield. But looking at your last uh, six games, obviously losing to Brighton. Luke, I wish they'd give uh, that goal more than you, mate. <laughs> so don't worry. I oh, wish they'd give that goal more than you. Don't you worry in the slightest. Oh, just I, I can't even talk about it no more. I was in line with I was it was I as soon as it went in and then it, there was something around. I went, it's a goal that. It's not offside. <laughs> I was there. I was in the ground going, it's a goal. It's going to get given this. And it was one of them. And everyone's around me going, it's not going to get. You know, the line's going to put his flag up. The flag was up, and I was going, it's a goal. They're going to review this, and it's a goal. Yeah. I can just see it's a goal. That's a goal. Um, it's going to get given. I was absolutely amazed it didn't get given. Um, genuinely amazed it didn't get given. And as I say, then we wouldn't have had to get beat by Brighton again, and we wouldn't have had to do the replay and end up playing Wolves four times in one season. That was the most frustrating thing, Neil, was the fact that none of us really wanted to play Brighton. Yeah. We just, we would have just. Have <laughs> this replay for the honour of the really. at the Amex? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, it was frustrating. <laughs> that those Wolves fans who were. Um, Robbed of a an iconic winner Anfield in that in that first FA Cup game, it's frustrating. You, you look at some of the um, the VAR stats that have come out as well today, Neil, with Liverpool being the most fortunate team to on that have resulted from VAR this season. Is it plus six points this, due to VAR? Are we? Yeah. Christ, oh my. Well, there's been other seasons where it's not felt like that. There was one at Brighton in the COVID season where. Uh, Robertson kicked the underside of Welbeck's boot, and the referee went, "That's a penalty." Uh, when penalties back when penalties were even madder, uh, that was that was one. Then this stuff balances out over the period of time, but no one ever feels like it does because my God, we but hate. But does it, Neil? But does it? Yeah, I mean, we've lost leagues on uh, on 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 video assistant referees' decisions. So I'm, you You're know, talking about that Rodri ball again, aren't you, Neil? That's an example of one, isn't it? You know, it's 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 a good example of one. Uh, there's others as well. Um, you know, you you you've got to try and be sort of semi philosophical about it, but everyone has hard luck stories. But as I say, I I just thought that was a goal to Wolves. You know, that was my I was in the ground and I was watching it there, and I was going, "That's a goal." So you know, sometimes sometimes you have hard lines, and they are hard lines. And as you say, it's a shame for the Wolves supporters because they travelled. Um, you know, enjoyed themselves as a good time. It's a good full end in the FA Cup. Probably would have won the game 3-2. There was still 10 minutes to go, but probably would have won the game 3-2. So I take the general point, but they do sort of balance out, I suppose, over the course of a season. I'd quite like to have a season where they don't balance out. We get them all and then we win the league, but uh, not to be. <laughs> so just the uh, the one win uh, in the last six for Wolves, whereas Liverpool, I think, uh, just also one, one win. win as well. Also yeah. one win. Yeah, the form yeah, that's, um, the same, ain't it? Is it? It's not grabbing Liverpool three more no, points in the league. Yeah, we're actually the form team. Mm-hmm. Based on the fact that we've played Liverpool twice and Man City, Lopetegui has um has done wonders to a degree considering he hasn't really had the players uh, up until the window closed the other day. What's what's your thoughts on Lopetegui so far, Liam? Strong. I think he's still definitely got things to prove, but the potential's there. Without a doubt, we can all see it. We, we fought hard uh, the last few games, just unlucky, really. Um, but I definitely think we've got more more positive things to come than we have negative, for sure. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a few bits came out from today's press conference. Julian uh, Lopetegui said he was pleased with the transfer window. No injuries to to mention. João Gomez will be good for the present and the future. It's, it's a massive signing. I'm, I'm buzzing for the lad. I saw the behind-the-scenes video and... He just seems such a likable character. He just seems like a, a duck fresh out of water. He's, he's so young. He's got that sort of enthusiasm, which I think he's going to bring to the squad. Obviously, we've got a few Brazilians already and Portuguese-speaking lads, so we should settle in well. The main comment uh, that was mentioned in the, the press conference today, Luke, that there's a possibility that Craig Dawson may start uh, tomorrow. What's your feelings on that? Because it, it seems to be too much of a gamble for me. I think it would be... The, the detrimental effect that that could have on Collins or Kilman if either of those are dropped. I don't know whether they, they, they come back from that and it also damages them both from a financial uh, point of view. Yeah, I think you've just got to... Um, you've It's just one of them. We've just got to wait for Collins or Kilman to have a bad game. 
And whichever one has a bad game first, we'll get dropped for Dawson. I think that's if, if it opportunity does uh, bite the bullet, Luke, who are you dropping out the two? It's a difficult. I feel they're I feel they're actually on par with each other. I don't think one sort of supersedes the other by that much that he commands a place more than the other. They're literally very very similar. But Kilman. Yeah, what's on that, Liam? Who, who would you drop out of Collins or Kilman if Dawson was? I'd, to go, I'd go the I'd go the opposite with Collins. I just I feel that you can back Kilman a little bit more, and with Dawson coming in, I think I, it just it makes sense in my head from watching them play. It just it just offers that bit more stability at the back, which we do need. It did. I, I totally agree. I mentioned the other week that it's just uh, it's it's a really astute signing for Wolves, uh, Craig Dawson. Not an extravagant centre back like Virgil Van Dijk, Neil, but bear with me for a second. Um, he, he did also score past Liverpool the other season, didn't he, Craig Dawson? Yeah, he's a good player, um, and he's done well at West Ham. He's clearly switched on. He's got a brain, defends well, organised as well. Um, if it was me, I suspect it may well be Collins because I don't think he'd necessarily, especially given the the prowess of Bueno or Aitnori, uh, I presume it will be Bueno. But Kilman's good at recycling the ball and moving it that way, whereas Dawson's weakness arguably is going to be with the the ball at his feet. So I think I think it'll be, I think you'll if he's going to drop either of them, I think it'll be uh, Dawson in for Collins in this one, uh, and then let let Kilman stay with the left hand side. Luke, you gave me your preferred starting eleven uh, before the show tonight. You've gone for a back four of Breno, Kilman, Collins and Semedo. Midfield three of Neves, Lamina and Mateus. Uh, front three of Daniel Pedence, Mateus Cunha and uh, Adama. So it's an attacking lineup. As I say, we've, we've got to go out this this Liverpool side um, from the off, really, haven't we? We've got to try and stamp our, our mark on this game. Where do you see the the Liverpool uh, weaklings being based on uh, Neil's uh, lineup? There, he's gone for a back four of Trent, Alexander Arnold, uh, Joao Matip, Joe Gomez, and Andy Robertson. Midfield two of um, Bajovic, uh, Thiago, uh, Gakpo, and Elliot just in front of those with a front two of Salah and Darwin Nunes. For me, I think I'd be looking to get Adama running at Robertson at every opportunity because um, I just think that's when Adama's dangerous. You know, obviously he splits the fan base like probably no other player we've ever had. But I just think you give a diamond the ball, get him running at his fullback. Robertson ain't gonna be going to sleep tonight thinking, I hope a diamond has a couple of runs at me tomorrow. You know, that's the last thing he's gonna want. And then I think when you look in the middle of the park, um, I'd like I'd like to think our, our middle three can sort of however sort of rotationally, whether it be Neves and Nunes or Neves, Lamina, Lamina and, Nev- and, and Nunes will can dominate uh, Biacetic, sorry about his name, and Ortiago. Um, I think that's where we can we can win that. If we can create those overloads in the middle of the park, I think that's where we could win the game. Based on his performance in the, in the FA Cup replay, Neil, is there any fear whatsoever of Adama? Because I know teams used to double up on him, but sometimes it feels as a Wolves fan that it's it's so frustrating to watch that opposition opposition teams don't really need to double up on him. I've got tons of fear of him. Um, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I'm always concerned. Listen, anyone who can carry the ball sixty yards and stick it in the top corner, you've got to worry about. Now he doesn't stick it in the top corner very often, but I think I actually think the, the lad has hard lines at times. The, the first twenty minutes, I thought in the cup game, he puts two or three really good balls in, but there's no one there to attack them. And I think a lot of the time, this is what does him in. You know, I think I'm always. When everyone says, you know, where's the assists or where's the end product with him? I'm, at times, I'm a little bit like, if there's a minor issue the lad's got and that he's had playing for this Wolves side, I think at times, it's that he ends up further, so substantially further ahead of play than anyone else. And then no one joins and no one's there. No one gambles either. Um, I, I I, really, I like him. Uh, I like him a lot. I'm, I don't know about his personality, but I like him a lot as a threat. I think he's dangerous. I don't think Robertson likes playing against him. Um, also, Robertson... His natural game is to push up, but he can't do that. Dealing with the Dharma Traore, just not an option. Um, not something that's that's viable for him at all. So I think Liverpool will end up playing with both fullbacks quite conservatively from the start in this one. It might change if the game wears on. Um, and then from there, looking to play a little bit of a broken team, as you can see, um, I think it may well be. The strange thing is, I think Salah and, and Darwin will play wider than Gakpo and Elliot. So you'll end up in a situation where they'll play in the gap between the fullbacks and the centre-halves. 
um, and look to sort of attack into that space. And Gakpo and Elliot like to be quite narrow uh, and may turn it into a midfield four um, when they need to, and then be able to join the attacking two. That's what I think. I think Liverpool may well do. The only the only question is whether or not he picks Keita and makes it a four three three rather than one of Salah, Gakpo, Elliot, and Darwin. But I just think he ultimately will want to. I think he'll want to give Elliot another game. I think he he likes Elliot a great deal. Elliot is going to be at Liverpool next season. Keita isn't going to be at Liverpool next season. So I think he might have the attitude of he'll have Keita from the bench. Um, he might have another player from the bench he can use and go with something like you can see there. Um, and I think that you'll. I I think it'll be more of a more of a thing where one of them plays as an attacking midfielder, but the but Gakpo drops in, so it ends up being at the sort of shield and the space around Neves. Liverpool will want Neves on the ball. And whenever we play Wolves, our first thing is how do we stop the ball getting to Neves? Not even the idea of closing Neves down when he gets it. How do we make it really difficult for him to get it? And I think the plan might well be to smother him from behind almost, as it were. So stop Kilman and Collins feeding it into Neves by virtue of covering that option with Gakpo and Elliott. I thought Neves was outstanding in the FA Cup replay. He dictated to play the majority of the game. It wasn't a great game for the neutral. I thought both teams ah. defended well in the in the game. Um, but yeah, Ruben Neves is going to be key for us tomorrow. He's, he's the one who needs to be uh, pulling the strings. Obviously, those diagonals to Adama, when we can get him one-on-one against Andy Robertson, will be key. Obviously, Virgil van Dijk's a massive miss for you, but his form wasn't great before the injury, was it, Neil? No, he was just like a normal, really good centre-back and not like Virgil van Dijk. He was better last season uh, than this when he first came back from the injury. So with a bit of luck, this little break will help him sort of rekindle a little bit. Um, he's obviously brilliant. You know, he'll always be consistently brilliant, but I think he's found it difficult. And as Liverpool have been more exposed through the middle of the park, I think, therefore, your centre-backs get more exposed, your full-backs get more exposed. That's how it works. Um, he's not had the, the luxury of playing uh, in front of a slightly different back four yet. So... In the fullness of time, Virgil will get back. He's not going to be back for this one. Let's talk about uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold for a moment. Obviously, Hugo Bueno is going to be coming up against him and, and Salah for the majority of the game uh, tomorrow. Hugo's been outstanding for us the last few months, probably been one of the better players when we've been having poor spells. But Trent Alexander-Arnold hasn't been great for a while, but he's still a massive threat, isn't he, Neil? Yeah, is I mean, he plays some a sublime pass uh, in the game against Brighton. And he's 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 a footballer who's capable of things that no other footballer in the in the league is capable of in his position, and only about two other footballers in the league are capable of. Full stop. Uh, you know, there's, there's there's De Bruyne, uh, there's maybe Odegaard now. You know, as he's coming coming to the boil. But for me, that's that's how unique Trent Alexander Arnold is, how special a player he is. So you know, at times I think he's found it hard this season. I think he's been exposed. I think he finds it difficult without having Henderson in front of him. Uh, but the version of Henderson has been this season hasn't been able to support him as much as he'd like. So I think he's he's been playing a little bit more withdrawn and doing a bit more sort of quarterback sort of bits and pieces. So he's not been overcommitting uh, in some games this season in terms of getting ahead of Salah, for instance. That doesn't happen anywhere near as much as it used to. Instead, he tends to sort of pick his passes from deep. Nunes is brilliant for him potentially because the movement, the, the speed... Uh, the touch. So the idea of Nuno, uh, sorry, of Nunes being able to find bits and pieces of space and Trent be able to try to sort of find him from 30, 40 yards deeper, I think is something Liverpool will be looking for in this one. And, and I'll be looking for in general. I think Liverpool are going to want to try to almost look to turn Wolves around in those areas quite quickly, uh, see if they can nick it back and, and look to explode into the space. And, and that's what, that, that'll be, I think, Liverpool's plan. See if they can get Salah and, and and Darwin working really nicely in the in the in the space between Bueno and Kilman on one side and Collins and Samedo on the other, uh, and then someone like Gakpo or Elliot coming in and arriving at the edge of the box. That that I think that will be the Liverpool sort of outlook um, through the game, um, and Trent will be really important in that in terms of him being able to put the ball into areas where no one wants to defend them. They don't have to always be accurate passes, but the idea of turning centre backs and full backs round and giving them something that they don't want to have to deal with is what Trent Alexander-Arnold's brilliant at. I thought he's... Okay. Um, assist sorry, sorry. I'll just on, talk about Trent. I think he gets a lot of unnecessary stick and his assist against us in the FA Cup was absolutely superb. I thought the pass was just absolutely phenomenal. Yep. Um, sort of, now, you've, now you've been speaking about Trent, it's, it's got me thinking and I would probably make a change to our team on the back of that um, and his threat and I'd swap Pedence for Aitnuri 
I just think Aitnuri just offers a bit more protection defensively against Trent and Salah. But also going forward, I think in the FA Cup, Aitnuri was killing Trent. He's a good player. I, I, I think you've got two really good left backs, and I think it's interesting. You know, sometimes that happens to a team. I, I think Bueno was great, by the way. Uh, but I've been really impressed with Aitnuri whenever I've seen him. I know he didn't start this season very well, but I think he's a really, really good player. I think the two of them are genuinely, you know, they're amongst the the better players in that position, I think, in the whole league. I don't think there's that many outside of, for instance, the top six clubs, uh, the traditional top six clubs who've got better left-backs. And the quite the ironic thing is, for instance, I don't think he necessarily suit Newcastle that much the way they want to play either of them uh, because they're so conservative in that position. I think they're really, really good attacking, yeah. attacking full-backs, both really good players. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. And I, I feel with Aitnuri, we can sort of... Uh, Ryan back. We can Gareth Bale, Aitnuri, and sort of moving from a more traditional left wing-back to a left forward or a left attacking midfielder, like we've seen on times at times this season. Um, and I think them two together, Bueno and Aitnuri together, offers us something going forward, but a lot more defensively as well. I, I just going touching on uh, Aitnuri, uh, he's, he's the second best dribbler in the Premier League behind uh, Harry Kane for me. I think I think he's a really exciting footballer. That job completely flopped, then didn't it? Well, I'll bother again, lads. If you <laughs> if you can't give me a laugh, lads, I ain't gonna bother again. That's not um, what I know. <laughs> too late, lads. Anyway, Breno and Eight Nori on our left side tomorrow, Luke. <laughs> uh, Liam. Looking at that uh, Wolf side that uh, Luke's predicted, any changes that you'd make? And obviously, with you being your first time on the show tonight, what's your feelings and thoughts on Adama? Um. <clears throat> he's a tricky one for me because he offers a lot of pressure and he really can hit Robertson and I do think it'll be a, it'll be a trouble for him but it's just he it, it, it tends to take too long on the ball for me and he doesn't work enough in that area and I feel that if, if he's not supplying balls in and around him he sort of struggles but I think he can defi- definitely get around and if he can get that final ball away I think it'd be perfect for Cunha to get in there and bag a goal or a couple for sure, but yeah, in terms of the team, I'd 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 stick it with that. To be honest, yeah, definitely. It's going to be. Um, I, I'm I'm expecting this to be quite early on a match of the day on Saturday. I think it's got the the foundations to be a, a cracking game, not just uh, for the neutral. But hopefully, we can get a good result against Liverpool on a on Saturday. I've just accidentally kicked Neil out, but I've just uh, welcomed him <laughs> back. Um, <laughs> right. Don't, don't repeat what I just said about Neil, lads, because he's a lovely man. And he's, he's <laughs> <time tonight. laughs> let's, uh, let's, do, let's do the part that I hate doing every preview show. It's uh, score predictions. Park, come to you first, Liam. Wolves, Liverpool tomorrow, 3pm. Molyneux, score prediction. I'd like to say 2-1, but I can I can see a one all happening, to be honest. Um, I, I just I feel like it's going to be it's going to be a real grueler of a game to be honest. And especially for the last two that we played, I think that's the realistic option in my brain. Where are you going, Luke? Where's your money? Um, similar to Liam, I'd love to be able to say 2-1, but I can see it being a really entertaining 1-1 draw. Neil, where's your money tomorrow? I ultimately, I think it'll be Wolves nil, Liverpool 2 um, and the second goal comes because Wolves are pushing, putting loads on the, not dissimilar to the cup game, uh, putting loads and loads of pressure on to Liverpool get one ahead. May not may not deserve it, but it ends up in the back of the net somehow. Uh, Wolves put a lot of pressure on Liverpool, gets to about eighty five, and unlike in the cup game, uh, Liverpool have still got Salah, Nunez, whoever on the pitch, and are able to counter attack effectively and and and, and pinch it, and, and it goes two 0 uh, But I'm expecting it to be really close and really trappy. Like I'm saying two 0 because I'm a Liverpool supporter. If the game's got two goals in it, it may well go 1-1. Um, it's not beyond the realms of possibility Wolves win 2-0. The only funny thing is that Wolves have only scored six goals at home all season. So I, it's difficult for me to make a, make a coherent argument Wolves are going to score two goals at home yeah. because because it just hasn't happened. Um, and that's not, you know, that's just literally, the, that is the numbers. Uh, that's what the numbers are saying. Um, that the, the You know, that's what Wolves have been like all season. That will change at some point. And maybe, maybe you know, Liverpool are unlucky and it changes against Liverpool. But I think... I think, you know, ultimately most football matches have two or three goals in and I think this one will have two goals for Liverpool. 
I uh, took out uh, Alison Becker and Joel Matip for my fantasy team this week, and that suggests to me that I think Wolves are going to score at least one. So I think we could see a Wolves 1 0 tomorrow. But based on what Liam and Lucas said, I think if you want to have a safe bet this weekend, Wolves fans, jump on the one all. I'm going to end the show tonight with um, Sudden Death Squads. You've probably seen it before on other podcasts. It's a pretty simple game. I'm going to show you a Wolves Liverpool game from the past. You have to name a player that featured in the game. When you get a player wrong, you're then out of the game. We haven't got a massively good record against Liverpool in the Premier League. We've only beat them once, and that was at Anfield. There's been two draws, so I've picked the draw at Molyneux from 2004. Kenny Miller scored the, the equaliser for Wolves that day. I'm going to try and make it a bit easier for Neil, so we've got one less Wolves player to name. But I'm going to come to Neil first. Uh, name a player that featured in that game. I might go out really early here. Um, okay. 2004, uh, Neil. Yeah, 2004, Atulier, uh, Stephen Gerrard. Stephen Gerrard is correct. Tolly? Bloody hell, I was two here. I ain't got a clue. <laughs> you should have been born earlier. <laughs> Skip me, man. No excuse. Uh, have, a, have a guess, 2004. Well, you know Kenny Miller scores. We'll give we'll oh. give Tolly Kenny Miller just because he was a baby when we played. <laughs> Luke, two thousand four. I'm going to go with Big Dennis Irwin or Little Dennis Irwin. Yeah, Dennis Irwin played right back for Wolves that day. Okay, Jamie Carragher. Uh, Neil, you again? Yeah, Jamie, Jamie Carragher played in, in what looks like a, a, a three-man Liverpool defence that day. Tolly, come on. Give us a guess. Lee, has Lee Naylor got to be in there, surely? <laughs> Lee Naylor played left-back for Wolves that day. You're still in the game. Great stuff. <laughs> oh, good Luke, one. Um, You can't get beat by the two-year-old, Luke. Come on. I know, I know. <laughs> oh, my God. Losing to a toddler. Um, <laughs> Paul Ince Paul Ince played centre mid that day is yes, correct he... back to you again Neil I hope you're not googling there Neil for um... no no not at all wouldn't, wouldn't dream of it Sammy Hippier Sammy Hippier was a part of the three man defence with Jeremy Carragher back to you again Tolly I'm going to Matt Murray in goal unfortunately the toddler's out oh Luke, back to you. Um, right. Some I reckon if this was our first season up, your best mate, Mark Kennedy. The greatest left-footed winger <laughs> in the history of football. Uh, citation needed. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, Neil, back to you. John Arnorisa. Neil, unfortunately. Oh, no. John Arnorisa did not feature that day. He didn't even come off the bench. Luke, was if he you on can the bench? name a player that... No, he wasn't on the bench. He may have been on the bench, but he didn't come off the bench. So, unfortunately, you're out of the game. Luke, name a player to win the game. Well, <laughs> in, the season, in our first season in the Prem, if Matt Murray wasn't in goal, it was the biggest dick in football, Michael Oakes. So just just for clarification, he has the biggest dick in football. He's not the biggest <laughs> dick in football. So I need to make that clear for our viewers. We're, we're very keen on facts on this show. He's got the biggest dick. He's not the biggest dick. The correct answer is Michael Oakes and Luke wins this week's Sudden Death Squads. Oh, well, Neil, well, just for, just for like peace of mind, you, you, you missed the goal score for Liverpool that day, Bruno Cherou. Yeah, well, it was Cherou era, but I, was, I had Cherou in the back of my mind. I also had Dizzy Aman in my mind. Yeah, uh, Didier Man was there. Owen oh, and Heskey up front. Uh, Harry Kubel. Who did? No, I, just, I just presumed. I just presumed he would have. Um, I just presumed he was going to have. Uh, who played left back? I mean, that, that, that I was entirely based on who played left back. Well, according to the, the image that I found earlier, you had a back three of Steve Finnan, Hippier, and Carragher, with a midfield two of Biscan and Haman. and then in front of those it was Kuehl, Gerard, and Sheru, with a front two of Owen and Heskey. I feel like I've been done in by Gerard Hulia yet again. Uh, how many games in his, in, his, in his Liverpool managing career did Gerard Hulia play a back three? 
Yeah. Uh, it was not many. Someone's been pressed into service at left back there. Something mad's happened. Bishkan's playing centre half and Carragher's left back or something. That's my guess. Maybe. Obviously, Kenny Miller scored past Jersey Dudek that day. Um, for everyone, ah, that, I should just have gone for the goal. See me in the flesh. Uh, Danny Murphy came off the bench for Liverpool that day, along with Stefan Onshow. Luke Silas came off the bench that day for Wolves. Do you know what? I honestly thought when we signed him, we'd really made the big time because we were signing these. Portuguese players that you've never heard of, but you know, they're probably good on like Chapman, L3, L4. Obviously, Kenny Miller scored the late equaliser. He played up front with Stephanie Everson that day. You had Inton Ray in midfield, Newton and Kennedy on the wings with a back four of Irwin, Butler, Craddock, and Naylor. And as you mentioned, the owner of the biggest dick in football, Michael Oakes, played in the sticks for Wolves that day. Thanks for joining us, everyone. That's partaked in tonight's show thanks for commenting drop a like before you leave drop a like if you think wolves are going to win tomorrow drop a like if you think we're going to grab a draw tomorrow just drop a like before you leave thanks drop for a like if you think the everton are going to go down <laughs> like if you think everton are going to go down uh like press a like if you think everton could finish bottom let's be some, let's do something interesting maybe drop a like if you think they're going to finish second from bottom just drop <laughs> a like if you're happy to be alive and being a football fan. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Neil, uh, Anfield Rap, uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I've had a great time. Liam, you've got Rose of Salem, uh, Katie Fitzgerald on the 3rd of March. I've had a bit of a video technical fun- uh, malfunction where I haven't got the video, but I've, uh, I'll share it again on our Twitter feed. Luke, I'm going to... Cool. S- no, I'm not going to see you tomorrow, am I? Because you give your tickets away like a plastic. Yeah, well, that's it. Put your hands across your face. You're 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 a disgrace. Schmuck. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Take care. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you Sunday for hopefully another podcast uh, review. Hiya, Wolverhampton. <laughs> Toyo from Neil. It's bye bye from me. Great stuff, lads. Couldn't have enjoyed it any.